Welcome to the Cafe Radio Podcast, a collaboration between the Office of Cable Television, Film, Music, and Entertainment, and the Congressional Award Foundation. This podcast is intended to help students through the opportunities the Congressional Award Program offers and provide information on how to explore the Congressional Award Program's pathways to career goals. And now, here's your host. Hello and welcome to Cafe Radio. I'm Eric Curry III from Deanwood Radio Broadcast, and I am one of your co-hosts for today. Hello, everybody. I am Timitayo Ariola, from, also from the Deanwood Radio Broadcast Network, and I'm your other host for this podcast. Now, let's meet our guest, Bailey Ayers. Uh, Bailey is a senior music licenses specialist for the late night group at NBC Universal. Before this unique career, she completed her Bachelor of Fine Arts at NYU, New York University. Without the Congressional Award, Bailey may not have continued her love for music into her current career. Because of the meaningful impact of the award, she continues to uphold the Congressional Award pillars through her love of music, tennis, and her volunteerism with her local junior league. Today's topic is music interest music licensing with Bailey Iron. Bailey, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you feeling? I'm great. I'm happy to be here and to answer any questions you guys may have. Okay, so um, my first question is, out of all the different positions in music, why music licensing? You know, it's a, it is an interesting one. Um, it's a very unique part of the industry that not a lot of people know about. Um, I got pretty lucky. I went to NYU and the program that I was in heavily um, encouraged internships uh, to the point where I got an internship my you know, first semester, about two weeks into school, and it was kind of set up for me. I got an email that said, hey, show up to the interview at this time. That allowed me to kind of test out the industry and figure out where I fit in, what I wanted to be a part of. Um, Some of the things that draw me to the music licensing world are um, the organization skills that are needed for it, um, as well as the, uh, the puzzle aspect, there's a lot of research involved in trying to track things down. And then the final uh, part for me was it's really a way that songwriters in, in the industry today can make money still. It's the only really free market left where if you write a song, you can tell me what the value of it is. Um, there's not something you know set and determined that you know is required so it, it's a free market it, it's what it's worth what you think it is and i like that that's an area that songwriters can still kind of set that worth and make money great 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 answer great answer my next question for you would be i see that you went to a tisk school of the arts which is a really prestigious um school of the arts in new york city nyu is real is really known for um value in the arts. Could you walk me through your experience during your bachelor, your, when you were pursuing your bachelor's in fine arts? For sure. So I actually started with NYU um, when I was still in high school. Um, I went actually right after I got my congressional award, I went to the summer high school program that they put on. Um, and it was a four-week kind of intensive program that introduced you to the, pro- the school and what they stood for. Uh, Tish was is interesting because it is it's a Bachelor of Fine Arts, but the specific program I went to, which was the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music, their whole perspective is that in order to be successful in the music industry, you need to have a holistic education. 
You need to understand every aspect of the music industry. So my studies weren't just uh, music business. I also studied music songwriting, production, uh, journalism, where the four in business were the four main areas. Um, and I, I think that's really allowed me to be successful. It, it allows me to talk to uh, songwriters better and I can communicate effectively between anyone in the industry that I'm uh, interacting with. So I, I enjoyed that approach to it. Uh, certainly some things were harder than others. I am not a natural songwriter. Um, and that was also um, a struggle. But the class that you know I took for songwriting was more of a uh, how to talk about songwriting. Um, and so it was, it was those kind of things that I really appreciated having Tish there to kind of provide the, the teachers who, you know, one of my teachers, we got an email the day before classes started and he said, I might be there. I'm at the Grammys right now. And if I win a Grammy, I have to stay in LA and do press. But if I don't win, I'll be, I'll be back uh, tomorrow for class. Um, he, he did not win that year, but it's okay. He has like 16 Grammys and he lost to Paul McCartney that year. So he, he was okay with it. But that, that's kind of the benefit of going to a school like that, that you have these amazing professors who you can learn from. And they've helped guide me throughout the industry and through a lot of the internships that I spoke about earlier. Well, when it comes to Grammys, I would not mind losing to Paul McCarthy. Exactly. I would, I would definitely take that loss. Earlier, early in your career, you began with a CMT who specializes in country music. Um, but now you're currently working with NBC Universal and they deal with more uh, urban artists. So how does that affect the music licensing process? That's a good question. It's it's interesting. It's definitely not as different as you would expect. Mm. Um, a lot of it is still similar. You're still dealing with a lot of the major companies. The one thing is, is you know, I always, urban music tends to have more samples. Um, that can always be a struggle, but I will say the song that I have licensed that had the most writers was a country music song um, that had uh, 18 writers on it. So it, it really is very, all very similar in the world. It definitely, um, you have to know uh, the songs. I think that is one thing with my job that I always have to be alert and being able to identify music. Um, and I'm lucky and fortunate that I enjoy all types of music. So I couldn't say that like at, at CMT, I was, I actually knew less about country music when I went down there. I went down to Nashville to see if I could uh, live outside of New York City somewhere where I had to drive. Um, <laughs> but and did the internship as well that summer. But yeah, they're, they're actually not as different as one might think. My next question for you would be, what has been the most challenging process in music licensing for you when, since you've started your career? Yeah, one of my mentors once told me that the most frustrating part of my job will be explaining to people what I do. And I would heavily agree with that. Um, even today, you know, it's, it's really shocking to me that, you know, I went to a music school and learned about this, but... I work primarily in film and television and they don't teach music licensing in film and television. Most of the people I work with don't have any idea of how things work. They don't really understand the process. And so it is, it definitely is trying to explain to people, Hey, you know, you can't just pick a random song and do whatever you want with it. There's a legal process we have to go through 
in order to, to use songs. So that's probably the most frustrating. That being said, I enjoy talking through what it is I do because it is so unique. And some people are like, whoa, I didn't even know that exists. And I watch every television show I watch now, I look at differently. So I, I enjoy that aspect. But in the moment, that's definitely the most frustrating. Well, we have more to talk about with our guest, Bailey. Uh, Radio Cafe will be back in a moment. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Radio Cafe. We are here with our guest, Bailey. So uh, thank you so much. The first segment was amazing, Bailey. My next question in this second segment would be, for anybody who isn't really familiar with music licensing and what it entails, how would you explain it to a novice in, in, in the music world? For sure. So basically, music licensing is licensing music for any visual content which you are pairing music with. And that can be anything from, you know, an Instagram ad that you're watching to a feature film. And every piece of music you see in a feature film is licensed. And that means that the songwriters are actually saying, hey, yes, I want this to be used in this film. They have they have the right to, to decide if they want it used or not. Um, every songwriter, depending on if there's one or 16 can say yes or no, and it has to be 100% yes in order to proceed, um, as well as if you're using a specific recording. Um, that's why you'll hear a lot of, you know, re-records of Beatles music because no one can afford the, the Beatles songs. So, so that's kind of the, the basics of it. There's a, It can get much more complicated when it comes to, you know, there's people might have heard of the Music Modernization Act which is, you know, the royalty payouts for the same type of uses. But what I mostly deal with is the initial license for the right to use the music within a visual content. So um, for those who don't know, there are different types of music licenses. And um, you, Bailey, you deal with more uh, public performance licenses. Is that correct? No. So I deal more with sync licensing hmm. rather than public performance. Um, the public performance is going to be more through kind of the second process I just talked about through uh, the PROs like BMI, ASCAP. What I deal with is more working with the publishers and labels directly um, rather than the, the public performance aspect. Okay, right. I'm sorry. So um, when you're licensing a song for a show, right? And a song has heavy, heavy profanity use. Is that tend to be a struggle sometimes when trying to license the song? Yes, especially right now, because I, I do currently work for NBC. So we are, you know, subject to the, um, no swear words, standards and practices. Yes. Um, so that definitely is something that we have to consider. However, you know, if I was working somewhere like Netflix or a streaming service, um, it would be different. But right now, that that is a major factor. My 
next question for you would be what prominent labels or artists have you worked with or enjoyed working i will say i've never i people ask this question a lot and i don't tend to really have any bad experiences um i find that in a professional setting everyone knows that we're that everyone's working i will say some some highlights miley cyrus is always so lovely to work with very accommodating I usually will send the staff like a treat of like cupcakes or something the next day. But but generally I, I really have not had any any issues. So I can't say that there are any bad experiences, but you know, there's there's also certain artists who like I grew up with and I really like, or um whenever Paul McCartney comes on the Tonight Show, that's always really fun because he's he's down to do anything. Um so, so there's always like kind of those like moments that are like, oh, this is really awesome that I get to work with this person. And, and I'm trying to think of some other ones that have been really cool. So Paul McCartney was definitely great. Miley Cyrus is always good. Uh, we had Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters on last year and he you know co-hosted the show with Jimmy and they did a bunch of music bits. That one was fun because we wanted to surprise him with his own song as part of the show but he is the one who would tell us whether or not we can use that song. So we had to like go through his management to be like, don't tell him this is happening. So, so that, that was also really cool. So um, you were with uh, Jingle Punks two years before transitioning to NBC Universal. And while at Jingle Punks, you were considered a, license, a music licensing manager. And now at NBC Universal, you're considered a music licensing specialist. So um, can you just tell us the difference between the two, if there is a difference, and also the transition between manager and specialist? For sure. I think... Honestly, the main difference is just the different companies' titles and what they what they use. I was on the the I, I worked so Jingle Punks was a music library. So one of our clients was NBC, and there I oversaw a department, um, and that was you know more of a manager sense, and that I was overseeing people and guiding people, and I ran our internship program. But at NBC. I, they, I think they use the word specialist because I work, I, I work specifically for the Tonight Show. Like the the part of NBC that I, I it's a very weird kind of um, role because I technically sit on the NBC side of things, but my client is the Tonight Show, um, and so I am a specialist for the Tonight Show specifically, and that's kind of why they use that terminology um, rather than um, than a manager. You mentioned a really great point, which leads to my next question. For somebody who is trying to get into the music licensing world or the intern, what advice or what resources would you in direction to? It is a it's it's an interesting one because there's a couple different ways you can get into it. I think a lot of people come from the songwriter artist background and kind of stumble into it. Um, I came from the other side of things where I started at publishing companies, um, working there. And that was kind of my favorite part of those internships that I had done. But I think that is the most useful kind of path to it is getting that experience at a publishing company or a label, because then you understand both, both sides of what you're doing. The other thing too is, is just, just research, knowing how to track down the rights to songs, um, being familiar with the 
uh, performing rights societies and how they run, how you can search them, following things like the Music Modernization Act um, are all like those are tend to be kind of some of the questions that I ask when I interview interns. Are you familiar with this? Is like what's your knowledge about what we do specifically? Earlier in the episode, you mentioned songwriters and uh, how this how music licensing uh, kind of helps them because they songwriters get paid pennies to a dollar. So um, I just want to your opinion on uh, their how they're paid and how they're managed and how sometimes the even the recording artists, if they didn't write a word, a sentence, a letter on the page that they can potentially get paid way more than the songwriter. It, it's it's interesting and it's not it's, it's a complicated area. Mm-hmm. I, I like licensing because we have there's a thing called most favored nations. Um, or MFN is kind of the short term for it. And it basically means that if, you know, the three of us wrote a song together and say, you know, you both had 25% of the song and I had 50%. If I had a major publisher representing me and a movie wanted to use our song, then the major publisher would say, okay, it costs, I'm just throwing random numbers out there. It costs $100,000. And because I wrote 50% of that song, I would get 50,000 of that 100,000. But at the same time, if you guys did not have, you know, representation and someone came to the same people came to you and said, how much do you want for this? You may not know what to say. And you could say, okay, well, I only want, you know, 20,000, but I want MFN with my co-writers. And what that means is that because I said I wanted 100,000, it automatically bumps you guys up to 100,000 as well. Wow. And so that's, that's a lot of times how things work is the highest quote is what moves forward. And so it does give everyone kind of an equal playing field where, you know, that way, instead of, you know, if you had said, I only want 20,000 and you didn't say you wanted, you know, most favored nations with everyone else, then you would have only walked away with $5,000. But because of the MFN, you would have walked away with $25,000. So that's why I like licensing, because I find it very fair. And the way that the math adds up, you know, that all that works. However, you will go back to, you know, not necessarily the people who are writing the songs, getting the largest percentages, because it's all based off of that. And it's, it's complicated. Is this something that we debated a lot when I was in college of, you know, do you say you wrote a song 100%, but then, you know, a really famous recording artist wants to record it, but they're going to take away 50% of your songwriting credit. Mm-hmm. Do you have to make that decision? Would you rather keep 100% of that song, but it's not going to go anywhere? Or do you give up 50% in order to make money on, on that song? Could you get it to the same place without this recording artist? And that is, I think, the struggle of what kind of the the fairness of it comes to, and especially when you're dealing with streaming and royalties and how little they are. You know, 100% of a song can can add up over time. But at least I I find that at least within licensing, we can make sure that it is as fair as, as possible, but it doesn't kind of address the underlying issue of, you know, the, and that, that honestly goes to 
how the splits are determined um, when the song is originally written. Does that does that answer your question, or does it make you have more questions? No, it answers my question. Thank you. Okay. So there's more to come. So please stay with us uh, here at Radio Cat Paper uh, next segment. Thank you. The Congressional Award Foundation is the United States Congress Award for Young Americans. Since 1979, the Congressional Award Foundation has been providing opportunities for young people to unleash their potential by achieving personal goals focused on volunteerism, character development, fitness, and how to explore pathways to career goals. This podcast is a part of the Congressional Award Foundation's initiative to reach more students of color and make an impact in the community. The programs feature graduates of the Congressional Award Foundation who share knowledge with students about how participating in the Congressional Award Program changed their lives and served as an invaluable tool for supporting students in educational and career-building resources to catapult professional growth and careers. This program is open to all youth in the U.S. between the ages of 14 and 24, regardless of ability circumstance or socioeconomic status set your goals work towards your goals receive your award move to the next level for more information about the congressional awards and the congressional award foundation visit congressionalaward.org welcome back to the radio cafe i'm your host timmy tayo with my co-host eric and my guest bailey eric take it away my next question for you bailey is were you ever a fan of someone's music before you licensed it? Yes, I've definitely been able to license songs that were kind of like, oh yeah, that's one of my favorites. But I will say it's honestly opened up a lot of music for me, especially, you know, I find that these days I have to know exactly what's trending on TikTok <laughs> in order to stay with the trends because that's a lot of what we're licensing right now. And I, it's not stuff that I necessarily would have seeked out, but I've definitely found my taste expanding and finding a lot of new artists that I really like based off of what I'm asked to license. So it's almost more of the opposite. Yeah. That answer takes me to my next question, which is what was like your music taste before going into like the music licensing industry fully? Were you like more of jazz or hip hop or? Can you walk me through that? For sure. So I grew up on a very weird combination of my parents' tastes, which were like Queen, ABBA, Prince, and then a lot of Broadway musicals. Um, <laughs> so I, I do love a good Broadway musical. I also grew up singing classical music. So that tends to be like I had I had a lot of taste and knowledge on that side of things. But I, I do love a good pop song. I uh, definitely enjoyed the, um, you know, the, the teen Jonas Brothers, Miley Cyrus era of my life. So definitely had those. And then during college, um, you know, it was our education was really on recorded music. So it was everything that had we started when recording music became possible. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot throughout that. Um, you know, we had, I had a final once that was us sitting around a room in a circle and they would play the first five seconds of a song and we had to know what the song title was, who produced it in the year that it was released. <sighs> so, I mean, I, you know, it still can be a little traumatic thinking back uh, to, to that moment, but it's definitely a lot of what I do right now. Um, trying to identify the songs that the roots are playing or someone starts singing um, so my taste has always been pretty varied, which has definitely helped my career. But 
you know, I think if I had to tell you, like, I, I do love like a good pop song, but I don't know. It's, it's like asking to pick your favorite child when you when someone asks me what my favorite type of music is. I, I genuinely do not know. I love them all equally. All right, Bailey. So my last question to you is that there's a lot of people in the industry that you have worked with, but who are some of your dream people to license? Who are your, some of your dream people to work with in the industry? Ooh, I think the Beastie Boys would be on my list of mm. like just being able to say that I'd licensed their music because it's so rarely done. Eminem is another one who hardly ever licenses music. So to do a really big project with him would be really cool. Those are kind of the two that immediately come to my mind. Um, I don't know. That, that's a really good question. I haven't ever been asked that before. Um, the, uh, probably the Beastie Boys and Eminem are the two, the two top ones. They'll start coming to you after we get off of here. Yeah. <laughs> my final question for you now would be, for somebody who is not from New York City or is not in the music world, let's say coming from a rural town in the deep south and wants to get into this industry, what advice would you give to them? Or what advice would you give to somebody, for example, me, who is moving to New York in the fall? The first thing I would tell you is you have to, don't try to start doing everything at once. You got to get yourself used to the city. Um, One of my favorite things to recommend to people is just jump on a subway and let yourself get lost and then try to get home. That is like the moment when I could do that. I was like, oh, I I understand what living in this city is like. And then for the industry specifically, I think there's a lot of really cool organizations that you can join that have networking events. Um, The Grammy Foundation has Grammy U. There's an uh, association of independent music publishers that all have networking events and really great opportunities for college students. Um, A lot of them offer free um, memberships for college students. I highly recommend, you know, joining those. And then when you get to the city, they have directories. And the worst thing that you can, the worst thing that I found is that you can ask anyone, hey, I would love to, you know, buy you a coffee, come to your office and just chat with you. And the worst thing is you don't get a response or you get a no. Mm -hmm. Um, It never hurts um, to reach out, especially if you're both part of a, certain group you can say hey i found your information this way you can go to networking events um that's definitely a way that i started to get to know people um as well as just once you start making connections to stay in stay in contact with them i for a while had google alerts set for all of my previous intern supervisors and anytime anything would pop up it was a great opportunity to reach out Um, So it's stuff like that, little tips um, and tricks to kind of keep things moving along, but also remind you to, you know, stay in touch with the people who've helped you get to where you are. Bailey, thank you so much for being on our um, show today. It was great having you. You really gave us insight into what your career looks like. And you also gave advice to people who wanted to come into that industry. So thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm happy. I'm always happy to to help people understand it a little bit more because it's very complicated. Yes. Thank you, Bailey, for coming on. And thanks, everybody, for uh, watching to Radio Cafe. Again, I'm Eric Curry III. And I'm Tim Mattaio Adiola. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Cafe Radio Podcast. 
a collaboration between the Office of Cable Television, Film, Music, and Entertainment, and the Congressional Award Foundation. For more information about the Congressional Award Foundation, visit congressionalaward.org.